All right, just a reminder, those were the bookmarks that we had. And uh, like I said, if you didn't get one and you'd like one, I think we have some extras. extras. I think they're sitting by the, the door on the way in, and so if you want to grab one of those. Uh, the reason why we were doing that is um, uh, I really am hoping that as we go through the study of Ephesians, and I just kind of call it reading and praying through Ephesians together, right? And so each week, uh, every few weeks I'm going to give you a new bookmark, but for last week and this week and the next couple weeks, we're just going to use this one. And what it is, something different each day, okay? A little portion of Ephesians chapter 1, a little portion of the second part of Ephesians chapter 1. And in fact, those first two, Monday, uh, verses 3 through 14 is one big long sentence when Paul wrote it. It was one sentence in the Greek and then... Verses 15 through 23 is one big long sentence, so I kind of divided it there. Uh, but then each something kind of from that passage to pray about that day. And you can do this in addition to what you're already reading. It takes about uh, a minute and a half to read through, two minutes to maybe read and pray these particular things each day. So we're, we're, we're shooting for about two minutes each day to kind of just devote to the book of Ephesians and praying about things that are in Ephesians. Uh, and, and I'm hoping that through this, God will kind of pull us together as a church, right? When we all are thinking about and praying about the same kinds of things, uh, I really think that God will bless that. Uh, in fact, I personally believe that if we can dedicate ourselves to this together, to do something like this, to read through a passage of Scripture and to pray through it together each week, just knowing that other people, in fact, like Monday when I sat down, I opened up and I read that I thought, that's kind of neat to think there might be a few other people from my church that are going to be praying the same thing that I'm praying today. Maybe at a different time during the day, but we're going to be kind of on the same page. It kind of builds a, a, a closeness. I just kind of felt that camaraderie in that. And so I, I, just, I, I believe that God can really draw us together. But I also think, I think I should say believe. I also believe, because God's Word is living and powerful, that if you were to say to yourself, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to read through just whatever is on there. I may add that to other reading. But I believe that if you were to dedicate yourself to this because God's word is living and powerful, that in a year from now, right, maybe we'll be getting close to the end of Ephesians uh, in about a year from now. And, and I believe that you could be a different person than you are today, right? I believe that God could use his word in your life in a big way. Regardless of, of anything else, if you just were to commit yourself to reading every day and praying, we could go back to that childhood song, right? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow. You guys remember, who remembers singing that as a child? Read your Bible. Anybody remember that? I, I believe that that's true. What a great little bit of truth in that children's song. And so that's why we're doing that. But on to this beginning of this uh, chapter. Before we read, i got a question for you. I'm going to just put up there. Great big words. Blessed. Right? Blessed. Do you know anybody in your life, and you just when you think about them, you're like, they're just blessed. I mean, life has been just so good. To, I mean, just look at how life has kind of played out for them, and you're like, they're just living a blessed life. Maybe you don't use the word blessed. Maybe you use the word charmed, right? I mean, just a, just a charmed life. Or, or, or what's the, the other phrase a lot of people use is uh, it's just like life was handed to them on a silver platter. Is that how you say that, right? It just seems like, man, everything is kind of worked out for them. And, and maybe there's this stuff going on there that you don't know about. But just in a general perspective, you just look at it, blessed. Man, what a blessed life. Or, or maybe even yourself. Maybe, maybe you think about way about yourself. I'm so 
blessed. And so let me put this up here instead. Uh, well, boom, there it is. We are so blessed. Have you ever said that before? I, I, I can almost hear myself in, or, or other people I've heard say this. Maybe you finally get sit down or around the table. A lot of times this happens at Thanksgiving. You'll have that, that one sentimental person in your group that just sits down and they, they look at everybody that's there and they start to get teary and they go, we are so blessed, right? But there, it's true, isn't it? So many of us, we could just sit there and look at our life and we just think, man, we are so blessed in so many ways. Or maybe you've even said that right in the middle of like a big, something big happened, right? Maybe, maybe you were almost in a car wreck and just, just missed you. And you're talking about it later and you just go, I'm so blessed, right? Or maybe, maybe a young child is it's scooped up just in time to avoid injury, Right? Or maybe uh, you, someone goes to the doctor and, and you find out it's not as bad. And you just think, I'm so blessed. Right? Uh, some, maybe it's, it's been a hard year. But yet you still see so many of those things. Ever have a year like that? You look back over the last year and you think, man, this has been a tough one. But you still look at it and you go, I'm so blessed. There's so many things that I can still be thankful for. Right now, in an exceptionally tough year, sometimes it might be a little bit harder at times. Right, an exceptionally tough year it might be a little bit more difficult to really narrow it down and find those things. But it's still a good habit to get into, isn't it? Just looking at those things, maybe the positive things in the situation, or the good things in the, the situation. And and we know from our study in James, if we think back when we were studying the book of James, there was a, a verse in James that said, "Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above." coming down from the Father of lights. And so we know from that passage and other passages that it's, it's very right to do that, isn't it? It's very right to see these good things that God has done and just say, I'm so thankful, I'm so blessed, I'm so thankful. God has done so many good things in my life, right? But here's the thing. I want to change your thinking today. I... Maybe it's going to be a major course correction, or maybe for some of you just be a minor course correction. But I want to change your thinking about something today. Okay? Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. I don't want you to misunderstand me. It, it is a good thing, absolutely, to look for the good things that God has done in your life. And so I don't want you to misunderstand anything I say from this point on. I'm not at all saying that it's not a good habit to look for good things to be thankful for. That's a very good thing. And it's very appropriate because of what James taught us. Those good things that we've been given, whether we acknowledge it or not, the good things in our life are things that God has done. He holds the claim on those things, right? Through His Word, He says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. But, we're going to point to Paul as an example. Paul who wrote this book of Ephesians. Uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians are, a, are basically a big praise blessing that he does uh, towards God where he's being thankful for things. And it's just a big praise doxology, you might call it. Especially this first uh, few verses, verse 3 through verse 14 of chapter 1, is, a, is this long praise that Paul does. Right? Let me put it this way. I'll pop this up on the screen. Uh-oh. I'm missing a slide. Well, that's okay. Let me, let me read it to you. Uh, you'll find uh, that Paul, in this first chapter of Visions, he is praising God, right? And he's magnifying God for the things that God has done, that God is doing, and God will do. 
That's very similar to what we're talking about, isn't it? I'm so thankful that God has protected me from this cancer, from this thing here. God has blessed our family in this way, or God has been bountiful to us this year. And, and so Paul is praising God for things that God has done. But there's a couple surprises in there. Surprise number one is this. Don't forget, right? And you can't miss this. This praise that Paul does, where he just, this long sentence that he just is folding out into praise, right? Paul wrote this while he was in prison. Yeah, that's, that's a little odd, right? But not that odd. That's not, that's not that odd. I can still see Paul. Paul seems like the kind of guy that would look for the positive, even in a prison situation, right? Been thrown in prison. He's still looking for the positive. But, but here's another little surprise. In this first little part of this praise that he does for God, he, there's not one mention of food that he's thankful for, or health, or comfort, or frankly, anything at all in the physical. You don't hear him looking, I'm thankful for this, and I still feel like I'm blessed because of this. He, in fact, there's almost this complete abandonment of where he's at and the situation he's in and the things that are going on around him. Even though there's a lot of good things that Paul is happening to Paul, and there's other places where he's in prison where he, he's thankful for this and thankful for this. But, but he, in this particular praise, Paul just kind of steps back away from all of that, and he writes this praise to God, and it's kind of surprising that he doesn't do what a lot of us typically do. A lot of us, we get in a tough situation and we, we try to think we're like Pollyanna, right? You guys remember Pollyanna? What's something we can be thankful for? You remember, anybody ever seen Pollyanna? She does that, right? And then you tell people that sometimes. You're such a Pollyanna trying to look for the positive and everything. Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't try to dig around and find the positive and He doesn't make any mention of those things. But yet he's able to write one of the, one of the longest sentences in the New Testament. Just praising God. But for what? It's almost like he's not even where he's at. Which brings me to a phrase, and I know this is the next slide here. In the heavenly places, or some versions will say in the heavenlies, right? In the heavenlies or in the heavenly places. This phrase occurs five times in the book of Ephesians. But it's not anywhere else in the Bible. Just in Ephesians. He talks about this in the heavenlies or in the heavenly places. It literally means, it's, it's a word that means, it, it's kind of two words put together, and it, it, it means up on top of the heavens. Right? Up on top of the heavens. It's one word, it means up on top of the heavens. Now, that seems kind of strange, but you have to understand that he would use this word, this is where this word would mean. It's, it, it's kind of like you, you look up in the sky at night and you see all the stars vaulted out over above you, right? You go out at night. Anybody ever do that? You just kind of... Take it. Sometimes we get too busy and we forget. But you ever just do that every once in a while? You stop, you're walking outside and you just stop and you glance up and you go, oh yeah, there's some amazing stuff up there. And you look up and they would, in those days, they would think about that expanse of sky and the, the realm of where God was at was kind of above that, right? Now, they're not speaking literally and we wouldn't say that literally today either, right? I mean, we, we know that the universe extends on as far as we know forever. But... Sometimes we even say things like this. We say God's up in heaven or things like that. And it's kind of that phrase. And really what we're talking about is a spiritual idea, right? Where God's at, his presence, wherever this place is, that's what he's talking about. The presence of God. Where he's at in the heavenlies or in the heavenly places. This, this, 
spiritual realm, right? And Paul keeps coming back to this phrase, and it's almost like he's, he's ignored his current situation, his earthly place, and he's got his mind somewhere completely different in this heavenly place, up there, somewhere beyond that, right? He's thinking out there, okay? Now, you're also going to see the word uh, bless, and see, my slides are out of order today. You're also going to see the word bless, my staff, you just can't, okay, that was me that did this, I'm sorry. Um, the word blessed, starting in this uh, verse 3, verse 3 starts off blessed. In this context, it means praised, okay? And here's why, because see, I could, I could give somebody a gift, and I could bless them with something, right? I could walk up, or like the other day, it was my birthday, and, and I was blessed by a good gift, a big, nice coffee maker, right? I love coffee, and so I was blessed with this gift. And so, uh, you, you, we can do that. We can go up to each other, I'm, I'm going to bless you with this thing, or bless, you know, that, that's kind of what the word blessing means many times, if you're to bless someone, is you're giving something to them. But see, the thing is, you can't give God anything. He owns everything. Right? What are you going to give God? I mean, literally, the, one, the person who has everything, right? I mean, we say that about people sometimes. What do you get? God, he owns everything. Everything is his. And so in, in the Bible, when we say blessed is God for what we're doing is we're ascribing, we're talking about, we're using words to say things that are at, already true about God, things that are already God's. And so if we, we ascribe a blessing to God like they would do, traditionally, Jews would do this quite often. And, and this is what Paul is getting ready to do. He says, blessed is God, and then he goes on to describe what for. But what he's doing is he's saying, praised is God. See, I, Paul's not saying, I can give him anything, but what I can do is I can tell other people who he is. I can ascribe to God what is actually true about God. And so we have this, okay, so we have these, a couple phrases in there. We have in the heavenly places, and we have this idea of blessed, where Paul begins this blessing, right? Blessed in this context, it means praised. And so he expounds into these long sentences, one commentary, and I thought I had a slide for it, but I, I seem to be missing it, says this. Uh, it says, with this profound verse, right, this verse 3 that we're getting ready to read. We haven't read it yet. We're, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I want to kind of build up into it. Uh, Coffin's commentary, commentary says, with this profound verse, Paul began a doxology, just a praise, right, which runs through verse 14, composed of one long, complicated sentence, and Coffin quotes another theologian who says this, Impossible to analyze in which each successive thought crowds in on the one before it. And so it's almost like Paul starts to go into this blessing. Praised is God. And then he says, that we're going to say this first little part today, verse 3. But then the rest of all the way up to 14 just kind of builds on top of that foundation. Does that make sense? It's kind of like if you remember... English class in school, right? Sometimes they'll talk about in a paragraph. Sometimes in the paragraph, don't they make you say in the first sentence is kind of what the whole sentence is about, right? I think there's probably a right term for that. I'm looking to see if anybody noticed the right term. But a lot of times that's what we do. Oh, did you say it? Ah, oh, yes. Thank you. Smarter people than me are here. Good. Uh, so you have this idea. This thesis is put out there where you're going to say, this is kind of a summary statement, but then I... But that's not adequate to say the whole thing. And so then they take the whole rest of the paragraph to develop that. Well, verse 3 to verse 14, there's one basic thought in there 
right, where Paul's praising God for something, and then he's going to expand on that thought, kind of like, a, you know, just, just blowing up like a balloon. It's going to expand and grow, right? You have the basic thought of what, what's going on in the basic balloon, but then it's going to fill up, right? That's what we're going to do. And so we're going to look at this verse 3 in just a second, but you have to understand it's a praise. And Paul says, blessed be God for, and then he's going to go into detail, right? Are you with me still? Okay. Now, we're going to dive right into the opening. We're actually going to go back to verse 1 for a second because I just want to mention these things. Um, Paul starts off his letter. This is a very, very typical, the way they would write a letter. Like we would say, dear, you know, whoever. Well, they didn't do that in those days. They would kind of put to, from, and then a standard greeting. Okay? And so we have, this is exactly what Paul does. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, right? That's the from. And we have, I got that backwards in from, and then it's the to. To the saints, right? The saints, those, the, the kind of word describing those who've been cleansed, who've been washed by the blood of Christ, right? Those who, another way of saying to the Christians who are in Ephesus, right? Uh, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Did I bump my button? I think I did. Uh, to the faithful who are in Christ Jesus. And that word, those who are faithful, is also one word. And it literally means, it'd be like if I walked up and said, to those people in the room who have their faith in Jesus Christ. Right? People in the room have said, yes, my faith is in Jesus Christ. And so that's who Paul's writing to. It's not everybody in Ephesus, but it's the saints, also known as the people who have their faith in Jesus Christ. So this is who this letter is to. Then we have his standard greeting. It says, grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's some interesting things in there as well where we could kind of look at, hey, well, this is, you know, where Paul's putting on equal, uh, equal terms as God the Father. He's putting God the Son up on equal terms as both of them are the ones that we attribute the, the result of grace and peace. But we're going to jump into verse 3. Okay? Here he is. He's gotten done with his greeting. We're getting ready to read verse 3. Here he is in prison. Remember? Is he going to look for the positive? Is he just thankful he's still alive? What's he going to say? And this is what he says. Let's go to this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Right? That's verse 3. Here Paul is going to praise God for what God has done, just like some of us do in a hard situation, except he praises God for how God has blessed him spiritually. Every spiritual blessing. Well, what are those spirit? What's he talking about, the spiritual blessings? What's he referring to? Well, if we scan down through the rest of this, I'm just going to list off some things here. Just kind of listen to some of the things that the rest of this up to verse 14 talk about. He's thankful that he's been chosen by God, that he's been chosen for a purpose, chosen to be something. He goes into detail about what God has chosen him to be. He talks about how he's thankful that he's been, been predestined in love. He talks about there's this adoption, right? An amazing uh, Christian theology where, where we believe that we've been adopted into the family of God. And, and Paul says, he talks about being adopted as sons. I mean, think about that for a minute, right? He goes on, he says, there's this redemption being redeemed. This next one here, if you go down to verse uh, 7, he talks about forgiveness, is given. This is a spiritual blessing that Paul holds on to. Forgiveness for our trespasses or our sins. There's riches of grace, he describes. 
There he talks about the mysteries of God's will. Like what is God doing in this world? And he's, he's thankful that it's been revealed. He talks about unity in the person of Jesus Christ. And he's, he ends up at the very end of verse 14 being thankful for God's spirit being given to him. So here you have these spiritual blessings. Not, I'm thankful I'm still alive, or I'm thankful for my health, or thankful for these things here, or thankful for the... He just says, I, praise be to God, because God has blessed me with everything, every spiritual blessing. Right? You know, I've often heard people express their gratitude. As a teacher, I hear this every once in a while. Right? I, I'm so thankful God help me pass this math test. <laughs> right? God help me pass this math test in the nick of time. I would, you know, didn't study it. Or how about this one? Maybe you've had this one happen. I've had this happen. I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful. I want to praise God because He helped me this month pay all my bills. Right? Or I know God loves me because see how God has provided for me and, and, and what He's done in my life. Those are absolutely true things. But, don't forget, God causes it, the Bible tells us, to reign on the just and the unjust. God showers His good gifts on the... He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good. All men alike are recipients of good gifts from God. Acts 14.17 says this, uh, Paul is speaking, he says, Yet he did not, referring to God, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. Now, he's talking to a group of people who have never heard of Jesus Christ, and he says, God has not left you without witness. Here he's done, he's done these things. He's given you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons. And listen to this, he says, And satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And so he's telling this group of people that, that don't know Jesus Christ and don't know God, and he's saying, all the good that you've received, that was a gift from God, right? Just the other day I was uh, talking to uh, somebody came by our house, and uh, I was talking to her for a minute, and uh, she was talking about how, how thankful she was about how God had blessed her. And, and, and just in a, in a general way, and, and there wasn't anything wrong with what she was saying, but I was thinking about these things as I was you know, listening to her, how, how there's so many people I know that will have nothing to do with God in a relationship of their life. And that they're recognizing, yeah, they're recognizing, hey, yeah, I recognize that this is from God and this is from God. And it's true, right? It's true. God gives good gifts to all people, right? God gives good, God gives good gifts to all people. But here's the key, okay? Here's the key. I'm sorry, I didn't have that up there either. God gives good gifts so we can see the great gifts. Right? God gives good gifts health, financial stability, right? The, the absence of family conflict. Aren't you glad when that happens? God gives good gifts not for the gifts in and of themselves. But he gives good gifts as a witness to the great gifts, right? You see this so clearly, and I've said this before in church, but I just don't want you to miss this. Because I feel like, I believe, that so many people that we know, and maybe even some of you in this room, might 
be missing it a little bit. Jesus, over and over again, he would do something physical. But the whole purpose, every time, was to point to something spiritual. He would, he would heal somebody and to talk about the power to forgive sins, ultimate spiritual healing. There was a time, and everybody knows this story if you've been in Sunday school, where Jesus had five loaves of bread and two fish. And there was 5,000 men, right? Probably most of them with families. And Jesus, I've always wondered how he did this. What did it look like? Did he just keep breaking off and there was still more bread in his hand? And, because by the time he was done and everybody had, uh, had been fed, there was like 12 baskets full of it. I mean, there was more left over than what he started out with. How did he? So here Jesus is creating. He had to have been creating bread as he was breaking it, right? And his disciples are marveling at it afterwards. Like, how did he do that, right? But yet then he turns around when they come back again the next day for bread. And he says, he says, you're missing it. I'm the bread of life. You have to partake in who I am to have life. You see, it's not about the physical bread, right? All those people who ate physical bread ended up hungry again. They came back the next day. There was a time where he was talking to a woman who was getting ready to let down water in a well, and he, he didn't perform a miracle, but he, he started talking about water, and he said, he said there, there's a water that you don't know about that completely satisfies your thirst, and you will never thirst again. She goes, well, I would like that. And she's thinking physical. I would never have to walk out here again. I mean, that would be great to have a spring of living water. You just take a drink and you're never thirsty again. And he says, you know, he points back to himself. It's me. Right? The living water. Giving you life. One time he raises, actually a friend of his, Lazarus, from the dead. Right? Now Lazarus eventually died again. He raised Lazarus up from the dead. And then he starts talking about things like, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? Constantly, throughout Jesus' ministry, he's trying to get people to get their eyes off of the physical and just being thankful for the physical things onto something bigger, greater, better. Right? Don't, don't be satisfied with this water. There's a different kind of water. Don't be satisfied with this bread. There's a better kind of bread. Don't be satisfied with this kind of life. There's a better kind of life. Don't be satisfied with these. There's something bigger and better. And constantly he's, he's pulling people over to, to the heavenly places, to the spiritual realm, right? And we, we can't miss this because, and maybe, maybe I need to rephrase the statement, right? Because see, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If you go back, and maybe I can actually go back here because I didn't have another slide for it. Let me go back. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Now, that us. Let's talk about the us for a second. Right? Who has blessed us. Who's he talking to and about? The Christians in Ephesus. The ones who had faith. Right? In Christ. And then he goes on to say, uh, those who are in Christ, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Right? These spiritual blessings, unlike the physical blessings, where God lets it rain on the good and the evil, God lets it, He brings good gifts to all humanity alike. But these spiritual blessings, this redemption, this adoption, they're only to be found in one place, and they're only for an us, those who are 
in Christ. And so maybe we should rephrase the statement. Let me go back forward again. Instead of having this statement, let's put it up this way. God gives good gifts so we can see the, I bolded that, you can't tell as well, see the great gift. Not just the great gifts, but the great gift. The gift of himself, the gift of Christ. You know, when my family gave me that amazing coffee maker, the other nice Keurig, you know, automatic, it was great. But what would it be like if I totally focused on that gift, right, as being greater than the giver's? I mean, that would be kind of repulsive at first, right? In fact, small children are like that sometimes, right? Grandma comes along, here you go, and they gives them, and the kid's like, thanks, run away. No, you know, just total ignoring, you know, yeah, whatever, I don't care about you, Grandma, thanks for the Nintendo, right? Uh, and, and just complete, and you, know, you grow up and mature out of those things. And in fact, some of you, the older you get, the more you recognize more and more and more, where you look at the gifts is almost not really all that important. I'm di- I just thankful for the person, right? God in His goodness, in His greatest gift, the gifts that He gives to people, the greatest gift wasn't giving you life. The greatest gift God has given is not the time that maybe He healed a friend of yours from cancer. The greatest gift God gave was not the time that He met that bill that you weren't going to be able to pay. That, that, those are good things that God did. But those are nothing compared to the greatest gift he gave, which is the gift of himself. Right? And this is where Paul, here he is in prison, and he's not thinking about where he's at at all. He's completely said, forget that. God has given me every spiritual blessing. He's given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's the great gift. And all these good gifts are gifts just to point you to the great gift. I believe Jesus is still doing that today. He still provides someone with a meal in the plan of them seeing the great gift of the bread of life. Maybe He preserved your life as long as He has. But if He has, it's for one purpose. So that you will give your life to Him. Right? To give your life over to Christ, to be in Him for the great gifts, for those good things, the the things beyond. You know, sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I've kind of wished in my heart that that's all it took was just recognizing that God gives us good things. Uh, The lady I was talking to the other day, my my heart went out to her because I, I know her enough to know that her faith is not in Jesus Christ. She's recognizing these good things that God has done in her life. But, but there's no, okay, my faith, I'm giving my life to Christ. My faith is in Him. I'm going to trust Him entirely. And, and my heart went out there and I was, I was trying to kind of get the conversation. I wanted to talk to her about that side of it so much. And she started to shut the conversation down. And then finally she said, i got to go. And my heart just went out to her because I thought, oh, you're missing the great things though. Yeah, God saved you from cancer, but, but He didn't save you from cancer so that you would just be cancer-free. He saved you from cancer so, because He wanted you to have eternal life. God, God didn't just uh, help your health. She had some health issues. God didn't just help this, this health issue here just, just so that you would feel better. God did that for a reason, for a purpose, so that you'd see 
Christ. Right? Sometimes I wish that's all it was. But the Word of God is very clear that the spiritual blessings are for those who are in Jesus Christ, are in Him. And so this is where we need a slight adjustment. Right? So many of us, and rightfully so, God blesses us with a good thing and we, had, we, we, we thank Him for it, don't we? We thank Him for our food when we sit down. That's good. You should, by the way. Thank God for your food when you sit down to eat. Say, thank you, Lord, for providing this food. You should thank God for safe trips and you should thank God for healing and should thank God for good days that you have. But we need to make an adjustment, see, because Paul had made this adjustment to where his mind was focused somewhere else. On the heavenly. Right? Not on the earthly. And so let's make an adjustment. Now, some of us make a slight adjustment. We, we go, yeah, houses, cars, finances. I was really thankful for those things. But now it's like, I know, I know I could live without that stuff. As long as I got my family. I have this, right? These people in my life. But that's not far enough. The adjustment needs to go a little bit further. We're still thankful for these things, but we recognize them kind of like as a shadow of the great gift. See, we, we say, yes, God's a good gift giver. Look at these good things God done, but the best thing God has done is Christ that He's offered us. Right? In Himself. In Himself, He's given us this great gift. And so we need to make some adjustments. And I want to offer just three ways that we could try to, this week, adjust our thinking about how God has blessed us. Okay? First of all, Let's progress here. Number one, how we think. How we think. You, you can really take the reins of your thoughts if you choose to do that. You know that? Most of you know that. You can kind of, our thoughts, now I'm scatterbrained. My brain is, I'm all over the place. Uh, kids, my students know that because if they, they, if they want to get me sidetracked, all it takes is one little comment. You know, tell us, Mr. Harmless, the story about the cheese factory or something. And I, we used to work at a cheese factory, and they love the stories of the cheese factory. And so, you know, tell us that one, you know. And, and, and I'm like, no, no, no. Oh, please, what about that? Okay, you know, and then I can easily be. So my brain is all over the place sometimes. But here's the thing. It, sometimes there's, there's important times in our lives that really grab the reins of how we think and what we think about, Right? I believe this is an important one to really grab the reins and be purposeful in how we think. Not be random, but to be really purposeful in how we think this week. Right? Because I, I, most likely, what I'm talking about today, if you really take a step back, you'd have to say, you know what, I, I do talk a lot about how God has blessed me here, and God has blessed me here, and God has blessed me here. But really take a step back and say, you know what, I, I need to kind of pull the reins in here and recognize that those good gifts are for the great gift, to point me to the great gift. Right? And so as you look for things to be thankful for, let me put it this way. Don't, don't sell out on the, the cheap stuff, so to speak. C.S. Lewis talks about, uh, he describes it as the primary and the secondary things, right? And he says, never let the secondary things take the primary position, right? And he gives a couple of examples. Uh, one example he gives has to do with alcohol. And he says, you know, when, when, when someone makes... Alcohol, the primary, is when it becomes that major problem in their life. And he's just speaking, this is just accurate. When someone makes that the primary, the most important thing in their life, that's when you get people who have, are totally sold out to that and it's controlling their life and dominating their life. And In fact, C.S. Lewis says, when you, when you give completely over to that, you actually lose that thing anyway. 
No longer is there the enjoyment of that. Let me give another example. Food. Right? When you begin to make food the primary and fall into the area of gluttony, you lose the enjoyment of some of those foods. And some of you have experienced that before when you sit down to a nice Mexican meal. You know, I like to go to the Mexican restaurant and get myself some nice... Uh, you know, chimichangas or the big, I love the big taco salad that's got the three kinds of meat in it, you know. And I sit down, but what happens when you just delve into that as the primary and you walk away hurting? Anybody ever done that before? Oh, I ate too much. Uh, right? And you make those secondary things the primary, but in a bigger sense, so much so, all of these things of this life are secondary to the primary things later, Right? I mean, just in a purely uh, numerical sense, if it's true what the Bible says, that we're born and eventually there's an eternity to your existence. You're going to go on forever. Right? Just picture that. It just continues to go. Your life in the scope of that eternal existence is this much? That's not very accurate because we're not showing very much of eternity, are we? Maybe we should make it a little bit smaller to get more of eternity into perspective. A little bit smaller. Right? I mean, there's a reality to that. And don't let your focus of life be in this little right here. You're going to go on. And whether you like it or not, the Bible's full of references that what you do here affects this. And so let you... Let the thoughts be on this instead of on this right here. So how you think. Keep in mind these things. Let me give you another one. Number two, how you speak. Right? How you speak. I think specifically in in how you respond to loss. How you respond to loss. Um, Go a step beyond when you're around people and you're around the lost that when something happens, tragedy enters, and you have one of those good blessings of God that are taken away, right? Be prepared not just to say, to look, I've got to find something to be thankful for in all this mix, right? Be ready to say, I'm not just thankful for the things that are here. There's, I'm thankful for how God has blessed me with every. I'm not lacking anything in the spiritual blessing realm. I've got adoption into his family. I've been redeemed. All my sins have been forgiven. And make that the primary focus. Not just I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful. You can still do those things, but but always remind yourself. Turn yourself back with your thoughts. Oh yeah, wait a minute. And then speak about those things with other people. Right? When you're around someone and they say, Oh, I'm so thankful for this. And you say, Oh, that's great. You know, I think that God has allowed that to happen for something bigger. Right? There's a, there's a bigger purpose here besides just this little thing here. You can do that on a lot of different levels. You know, God has helped me pass the math test. But, you know, I think that God helped you do that. I agree. But I think maybe he did it for a reason. God gives good gifts because he wants you to see the great gifts. Right? Also, I think this one, I'm, I'm just going to tell you that on this last one, did I put number one twice? I did. Uh, the last one is probably going to be number one as well. You ready? It is, yeah. Uh, three number ones for you today. Um, this last one here, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to preach to myself for a minute. Okay? I, I put this one in here because how, how's our mood? Or how's your mood? How's our mood? How's my mood? Maybe I should say. Some of us as Christians, even though we have every spiritual blessing in Christ, 
some of us, if we're honest, when things don't go the right way, the mood begins to tank. Right? Things aren't going the way I wanted them, and the mood goes down. I mean, some of us, if we were, I mean, you know, without laying everything out on the table today, you know, uh, some of us, our life, maybe right now, isn't how you would have lined it up. Maybe way back in the day, you said, think about how your life is going to paint out, and you're going, this is not what I would thought it would turn out to be, right? Or maybe in a smaller sense, think just your day doesn't go the way it should. But if it's true that you have every spiritual blessing in Christ, there is no excuse for a bad mood. No excuse for a bad mood. You've been extremely blessed. And so some of us, if we're honest, we... And like I said, I'm preaching to myself here because I, I do the same thing. I get, I, I get, what do we call it? I'm being short with people, right? What are we talking about? The temper is down, right? I've got about this much patience left. I, I tell my students all the time, I've got, I start off my day with a big mug of patience and every kid all day keeps taking drinks out of it. And so by the time I get to my last hour of class, I've got one sip left and I come to my last hour of class and I say, my patient cup is like here. Right? Do not bump it, <laughs> or there will be trouble. You know, and so they, they get the raw end of the deal. But as Christians, if we've really been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, there is absolutely no excuse for your and my sour moods, is there? That should be gone. I mean, think about the. Ecstatic reality when you're giving, a, when somebody's been giving, has given you an amazing gift. I mean, there's been times in my life where somebody gave me this amazing thing and I was so excited about it. And, you know, some, this happened or that. I'm like, don't worry about it, you know, because I am so happy because of this amazing gift. Man, life is, oh, this great thing is in my life now. This is amazing, right? This amazing gift I've gotten. I'm so happy. And, and, and somebody you know, runs into my car and scratches it. Don't worry about it. You know, oh, my life is so good. You know, I just got a raise, doubled my salary or something. You know, and I'm just saying, oh, this horrible thing happened. Oh, don't worry about it. You know, life is good. Don't worry about it. It, it doesn't matter what kind of great things been given to you in your life. It, it doesn't compare at all to the great gift of Christ. And when you keep that in your mind day to day, suddenly, life is good. I've been given Jesus Christ. My eternity is secure, not based on how I live. It's not depending on me getting everything right or being a good person or anything. It's Jesus Christ has done the whole thing. And so, say, don't worry about it. No big deal. What are you in such a good mood for? Man, Jesus. I got Jesus. Right? I mean... All of us should be the kind of people that walk around and people just look at you and go, man, what, what is, what's with that guy? <laughs> what, why is he so happy all the time? What's going on in his life? Now, I'm, I don't want to disregard uh, the pain of loss when we go through difficult times in life. There's going to be sorrow and there's going to be sadness. But even in that, the Bible talks about this, this hope that wells up even in that. And, and, and so Paul says in the book of Thessalonians, don't grieve the way other people grieve. Right? So even in these things, this needs to be bubbling out. But if we were honest, Christians don't have that reputation for the most part. But we need to change that. And Edgewood Baptist Church needs to be the kind of church that says, we've got Jesus. I, you can do this, you can do that. 
you can, get, you can go home and your family can all be acting like crazy, you know, demented maniacs. And, and you may have to get on to, you may have to do this and do that, but in the midst of it all, you're happy. You're joyful. Why? you got Jesus. Greater than anything. The best gift you could have ever imagined. All in this one person and it's secured for eternity. You can't lose it. You can't drop it and break it. It's good. Right? Let that show in your mood, in how you think, in how you speak, and in your mood. Right? Now, I'm going to close. Uh, I want to encourage you again uh, as you go through this week. If you didn't get a bookmark, grab one. I know it's a silly little thing, just cardstock paper, and we printed it up. But I think there's something bigger going on there. I think Ephesians can change your view of life and can change your view of God. And maybe today, maybe today, as we were talking through this, maybe, maybe, maybe a little light bulb went on. All right? A little light bulb went on. You said, you know what? I've, I've been grouchy. I've been sour. I've been this, been that. Or maybe it's, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really thankful for the big things. I'm thankful for food or this or that. And when I don't get those things, I'm pretty discouraged about life because I haven't been given some good gifts lately. And sometimes I just go to God, come on, Lord, can't you do some good stuff for me today? You know, and it seems like you've been giving me bad. And you're completely ignoring the great gift of Christ himself in your life. And so maybe that little light bulb went on. Man, I've been missing it. I've been missing it. I've been thankful for all this stuff and missing the great gift. I've been thankful for the good gifts, but I've been missing the great gift. I want to encourage you today, if, if that's you and you're sitting there, uh, what, now, and that, that applies to all of us. That, that means if you're sitting here and say, I, I, I don't have faith in Jesus at all. I'm not even there yet. But it, this could be the day. You say, you know what? That is the great gift. I can see that now. You, you can see that. That's also a gift from God. God opens eyes, spiritual eyes. Or maybe you've been in church your whole life, but frankly, you've gotten pretty sour with the people around you lately. Pretty moody. You, you're not living like you've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. You're not living that way. You're not living... You, you wouldn't be able to say, I've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. You're not living like that. Today would be a day to repent. Right? Repent means change your mind. That's all it means. Change your mind. Metanoia. Change your mind. Today should be the day that you say, I, I need to repent today. Alright? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, God, for this day and... I pray that this week would be a week, Lord, that all of us in this room would be able to be characterized by those around us as people who have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. I pray, God, that we would show that amazing gift in how we think, Lord, in how we speak, Lord, and even in our mood. Help us to demonstrate and live like a person who's been given the great gift. God, I pray that you would be with us in this room and those in this room that, that know this is true, God, but they're, there's something they're holding them back from saying, okay, God, I pray that you would be with that person this week and help them to see that you are the great gift. Lord, I pray, God, that you would be with this church as a whole, as a group, that 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 Edgewood would have a uh, that 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 they would be known as the church that is blessed, not because of a building or 
all of our bills are being paid or or anything else, Lord, but that as would be a church that would be known that is just thankful that they have Jesus. God, in all these things I just pray, as your word commands, your word commands us to pray in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we close today praying in the name of Jesus that you would hear us, Lord, that you would be with us and reveal yourself to us. And in your name I pray this. Amen.